Welcome to episode 557 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And Apple stuff. <laughs> and a lot of Apple stuff this week. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like this week was was throwing you a bone, Richard. Like, this is this is your week, right? You're the big Apple fan. You live for WWDC. And there's actually a bunch of related stuff for us to talk about from WWDC this, this year. Yeah, absolutely. I am looking forward to it. And it turns out we're going to get to do that very soon because, again, we don't have any listener feedback for this episode. I know. What's going on with that, guys? Come I don't on. know. I think maybe they forgot how to send us listener feedback. So, Josh, you should tell them how they can send us listener feedback. Yes. If you have email, you can send us an email at entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com. Yeah. And if you don't have email, how are you listening to a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I just wanted to clarify, like maybe, maybe you don't. If you don't, there's other ways to contact us. If you go over to the, to the website, the digitalmediazone.com, it's all in the show notes. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, we are going to start out kind of our our feature story, if you will, is the collection of WWDC announcements that are media related. And there were many. So these are kind of scattered around through the presentation. And I've tried to kind of consolidate them through a couple story links that we have. And the first is about a new capability from Apple called share play get it they already have airplay and this is called share play oh my gosh i didn't realize this when i read the headline um it's brilliant wow. it's absolutely brilliant <laughs> i love it and with share play you can co-watch or co-stream or even screen share but that's not really relevant here over facetime so this is using the infrastructure that they already have in place with FaceTime to then be able to add music or a video into the FaceTime feed, into the FaceTime discussion, and that will share that content with the people that are in FaceTime. Now, you might be thinking, okay, does that mean that if they don't have the content, they're going to hear it or see it? And the answer is, that depends. Of course it does. (laughs) Right, of course. So you have the ability to share, for example, a song that you're listening to, and someone will be able to listen to that with you if you have an Apple Music account. It's my understanding that they don't have to have an Apple Music account if you're just sharing something with them to listen to as part of that sharing experience. But when it comes to video, it's a whole lot more complicated because video licensing is, well, frankly, a pain in the backside. And so the way they've set this up is that if you have Apple Plus and they have Apple Plus, then, or Apple TV Plus, sorry, then when you share something with them through Apple TV Plus, then If they have it, it will play simultaneously and you can watch it together. This works on iOS devices. It works on iPads. It works on a computer and it works on your Apple TV. So here is that similar experience that we've been talking with, with all of these crazy things that other services have come out with, like Netflix and Hulu and so forth, where they came out with their own like co-watching things. This is essentially doing that same thing with Apple TV Plus content. But the backbone for this is FaceTime. So you have a FaceTime call going on your phone, but you're watching something on your television. And your television even has little icons that show, okay, these are the people that are watching and so on. But there's no FaceTime on Apple TV currently. That is true. And there won't be FaceTime on Apple TV As far as we know, the FaceTime call initiates from your iOS device or from your laptop, and then you're going to go and watch this on TV. 
So it's kind of a cool way of doing things, but you're like, okay, so that's Apple TV plus. That's great. But what about all the other stuff you can get to in the Apple TV app? They are already partnering with Disney plus Hulu, HBO, Paramount plus a bunch of other content providers that are going to enable this in their respective apps as well. So if you get to content through Apple TV and you want to make this available uh, or, or and, and you want to watch these other things through these other apps, you can also do that again, as long as they have those other apps and they can watch it through there. This is not going to stream those other third-party providers content to your friends to watch without having to pay for it. However, Apple is making this capability available to app developers. And it's really up to the app developer to determine, does the person on the other side have to have the same license or content? In other words, Apple is not requiring that. So there is a possibility that we could see apps that provide content, that share content, and allow you to stream it and watch it simultaneously without actually having to have the content yourself, which is pretty cool. That is cool. So there's two biggies that I don't see on this list that you've provided, Netflix and YouTube. Well, you may remember that Netflix already doesn't play nice with Apple TV Plus. Right. Or with Apple TV, rather. It's an app there, but it doesn't integrate in any way. And while I don't know this for a fact, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they've set something up so that you would actually have to play with, like you would have to integrate fully to be able to do this. You're right. You don't see YouTube in there either. YouTube is not one of the partners that they talked about. Interestingly, Twitch and TikTok, they're on board. TikTok was the next one I was going to ask about. I'm just thinking about the things that people, the videos that people like to share. And yeah. YouTube and TikTok, those are like number one and number two. Yeah. And so in FaceTime, you can see the feasibility, I guess is the way I would put it, of just saying, oh, here, you got to watch this TikTok thing and you watch it together. Right. And my my assumption with TikTok is that they're just going to stream it. Like there's no reason for you to also have TikTok installed. Right. So that's yeah. pretty cool. It is cool. So I'm happy to see that they're doing this. I personally still don't get the whole sit down and watch a movie together remotely thing and deal with people talking through it and all that, because that's my real pet peeve. But I know people seem to like this. Well, and I think that, that the YouTube and TikTok thing is far more likely to get used than all of the rest of these, as in many parts of the world, the pandemic is starting to ease up a little bit. Like yeah. People are getting vaccinated. People are starting to go back to normal. And that includes going over to somebody's house to watch a movie with them. Right. Now, this sharing content remotely thing wasn't exclusive to COVID times. It started before then, but I think it accelerated during COVID because it's like, wow, okay, this would be a good thing to do now. Let's get this going now. So, <laughs> Well, right. It would have been a good thing to do right now if right now was a year ago. And when are people actually going to be able to start using this? So this is going to be available with iOS 15, which and tvOS 15 and everything else 15, which will come out this fall. So it's going to be a year and a half late. Again, if you assume that this is only relevant through COVID. And like I just said, these capabilities existed before COVID. So somebody thought they were a good idea before COVID happened. They, they did exist in some limited cases before COVID started. Yeah. But it really exploded once COVID happened and no one could go to anybody's house. And yes, it, it was a thing prior to COVID. But now that we're like getting closer to post COVID, like I think people more than ever want to go watch things with their friends in person because they haven't been able to do it for the last 18 months. Oh, yeah. Totally understand. Totally understand. I think this entire spring and summer is basically 
us catching up with everybody, like catching right. up on life. Yes. Right? So, yeah. No, I totally get that. There are some other capabilities. One of the things that is also going to be added to the Apple TV app is a um, uh, shared with you section. So you'll be able to see stuff that has been shared with you and be able to go back to it if you want to do that, which is cool if you're wondering like, oh, what was that thing that so-and-so shared with me? That's now a section that you can browse and get to stuff. And you'll also, like I said, be able to see who's watching stuff in the Apple TV app as well. Next big update is regarding spatial audio. So you may remember that with the AirPods Pro and AirPods Max, they featured spatial audio for iOS and iPad when you were watching movies in Dolby. So if you had uh, Dolby Audio or Dolby Atmos movies that you were watching, then through the AirPods Pro and Max, you could actually listen to them in spatial audio. And these also had that really cool thing where if you turn your head, then the audio stays in place while you turn your head. So you don't get disoriented. In other words... They're actually moving the audio in relation to your head, not in relation to the screen. It stays in place with relation to the screen. So that's been a nice capability, but it hasn't been available on the Apple TV. And you haven't been able to do it with your Mac. So they announced that new updates to Mac OS and TV OS, again, coming out this fall, are going to enable this same capability for your AirPods Pro and Maxes on i on the Apple TV and also on M1 based Mac OS devices. So that's things like the new the new Mac uh the new iMac and the new MacBook. And there's speculation that there will probably be a Mac Pro coming out at some point this year if Apple somehow knows to get how to get chips even though nobody else can. This so this feature is cool. It's really cool. Like yep. we got really excited about it when they announced it last year. Yep. Do you think that this M1 limitation is completely artificial? Like, is there any reason that my old Intel MacBook Pro couldn't do this? Any any real technological reason why it couldn't do this? Well, considering that your old iPad can do it, I can't for the life of me imagine why. I think they're just limiting it to that. So, yeah, I. But it's not unlike Apple to limit backward compatibility with new features. Right. This one, I hadn't thought about it, but the M1 requirement does seem particularly questionable. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then finally, we're going to talk a little bit about the HomePod Mini. So if you have an Apple TV, you've been able to use other speakers with your Apple TV as um, temporary speakers to extend the sound field if you want to do that. So, for example, if you had the uh, if you have Sonos and those Sonos speakers are AirPlay compatible. You can actually play your audio through your Sonos speakers. You could do the same with your HomePods and your HomePod mini speakers. However, it's temporary. Next time you go and you use your Apple TV, that doesn't stay in place. It's kind of like a Bluetooth connection. You could pair HomePods, like the big, huge, expensive HomePods, as permanent speakers for your Apple TV. And I imagine, I don't know because I don't have any, but I imagine that was pretty awesome because the sound from the HomePods is fantastic. They've now added the ability, again, with the upcoming version of the OS this fall, to pair HomePod mini speakers to your Apple TV, which I'm sure will be fine. I mean... HomePod minis aren't great. They have decent sound. They don't have great bass. It's certainly not as full as you would get from other things. I would never recommend you do this in, say, your family room or great room, but maybe in 
a bedroom or something like that, this could end up working out pretty well rather than just listening to your crappy TV speakers. So, so two HomePod minis w- would set you back 200 bucks, right? Correct. I don't know. I, I, I would be curious to see if they would sound better than the, you know, $150 soundbar that I talked about last week. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking right now as you were going. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I honestly don't know. And w- when they're paired, like you can still use them as, as HomePods, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny you should ask that because one of the other things that they announced is that you're going to be able to now use your HomePod mini speakers to control the Apple TV. Before, you could only control the Apple TV through the Siri remote. Seriously? Seriously. No pun intended there. (laughs) Seriously. That might have to be our show title. Anyway, Maybe. yeah, that's that's nuts, right? Yeah. You, you couldn't do this. But now you're going to be able to talk to a HomePod or a HomePod Mini, and you'll be able to control your Apple TV experience. So that's great. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> considering I think most people probably just assumed that it has been able to do that all along. Yeah, you would think. You would think. All right, I am going to pass to you to start with our video news. All right, well, uh, we, we, we've we talked a little bit about Paramount Plus in the past, but this week, Paramount Plus has uh, kind of relaunched their service because while the service has not been available for very long, they've already shuffled a little bit what their offerings are. So they used to have a $5.99 tier uh, that included your local CBS affiliate. Remember, Paramount Plus is basically the combination of a Paramount streaming service plus CBS All Access. Yep. So it's now two tiers. One is $4.99 a month, and it's ad-supported, and it gives you all of the Paramount Plus goodness, except for your CBS affiliate. If you pay $9.99 a month, then they get rid of the ads. They give you the uh, your, your local CBS affiliate. This week, they also announced that they're adding a bunch of movies. So that they've added over a thousand movies. Some of them are pretty, you know, top tier type movies, Mission Impossible, Skyfall, some of those types of things. Uh, but but they're also giving you access to, you know, some some premieres, you know, Infinite is some brand new movie starring Mark Wahlberg. It's, it's I mean, I think Mark Wahlberg's a pretty great actor. Yep. And this is a, a sci-fi movie, so I've never heard of it, but I'm really interested. Like, those words were enough to get me interested in it. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, so that that sounds interesting. Plus, it's not like it's just some some Paramount movies and and the the CBS All Access content. It's also got sports and news and stuff like that. Like CBS has got pretty decent news coverage. I, I think I, I, if I'm sitting at a computer and want to watch live news, I usually use the CBS news app. I, I think that app is, is pretty good. Um, but they've also got sports and they've announced some rather large sports partnerships for this summer. Also, including uh, men's FIFA world cup qualifying and the women's world cup. So that's pretty great if you're into soccer slash football. Uh, and then throughout the rest of the year, other, other big stuff, including even some NFL games. So, uh, pretty, I, I think a pretty compelling service for, for four ninety nine or nine ninety nine a month. And they've got some of those shows that Richard really likes, like the star Trek related things. Yeah. So you're going to get this. Do you already have this? Like, do you have this through some like weird deal through your phone provider or something? (laughs) No, this is one actually that I pay for by paying for Showtime. So (laughs) Apple had a deal, I guess about a year ago now, where if you subscribed to Showtime, you also, no, it was the other way around. If you subscribed to CBS All Access, you also got Showtime for free. Oh. So basically it's a Showtime and CBS bundle. And when CBS became Paramount Plus, 
they just changed it over to that. So I'm still paying $10 a month. And in my mind, since I said that I was never going to pay for CBS content, <laughs> I justify it as paying for Showtime every month. Right. And you and just get the CBS for free. I get CBS for free. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'm okay with that line of thinking. Yeah. That works. Yeah. All right. Well, so moving on to some hardware, Walmart is apparently terrible at at keeping a secret about new devices that they're launching. Uh, Literally for two or three weeks, I've been seeing news story after news story about all of these leaks of new uh, Android TV streaming devices coming from Walmart. And uh, all of the leaks said, it's going to be out really soon. So I was like, I'm just going to wait to put this on the show until they're actually out so that we know what the actual details are. Well, they're actually out now. You can go to your Walmart right now and pick up these two devices. Heck, you could buy both of them. They're that cheap. So they're both branded as on, I guess is how you would pronounce it. It's O-N-N period. I I didn't even put the period in my notes here because it's weird and stupid. Period is part of the name? Yeah, it's actually O-N-N period. Okay, whatever. I, I don't get it. So they've got two streaming devices here. One of them is a streaming stick, and that tops out at 1080p. So it's just called the on period FHD streaming stick. Tops out at 1080p. It's a stick. It is $24.88. Like, that's ridiculous. And then the other device, it's more of a box, and it's the on Android TV UHD streaming device. I think that's the full name of it. Like they they really like they spent all of their time trying to come up with a creative brand name and no time at all coming up with a creative name for the devices. And as you might expect, the the UHD one does 4K. It's, that and the form factor is really the only difference between these two boxes in terms of what you're actually going to notice and that is $29.88. So for $5 more, you get the 4K box. And what's cool about this is that they do actually include a, a pretty useful remote. It's it's like the standard Google Android TV remote. It is important though that I point out that I said Android TV, not Google TV. This is not the experience that you get on the new Google TV or the new Chromecast with Google TV right. that Richard has been raving about for the last six months or so. Yeah. Android TV is still good, but Google TV is even better. So these are devices that Walmart created themselves, or meaning that this is a house brand device? It is. And and this on brand is, it, it's a brand that they've used for other like home theater type products okay. for a couple of years. All right. Yeah. They've got some speakers and I think maybe some TVs uh, under this brand. So why would you buy this as opposed to the rock bottom Roku that I believe Roku makes exclusively for Walmart or <laughs> right. the TiVo stream device that we just talked about I believe last week that also sells now everywhere, apparently for $30. I I don't understand why they're doing this. Like what's the point of coming out with their own home brand product that sells for the same price as other stuff that they sell? Is it possible that like Roku, they get some sort of cut of the content that's shown on it? Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, that's possible. I bet they promote the heck out of Voodoo on that thing. That's yeah, that's a very good point. Voodoo is owned by Walmart. That's that's the point that Richard is alluding to there. (laughs) Yeah, you would think you would think. Yeah. Other than that, you're right. I can't think of a valid reason for doing this. Yeah, I don't really get it, but it's okay. But but obviously they've been developing this longer than the the amount of time that the TiVo Stream 4K has been available for $30. So 
I mean, there there wasn't an Android TV box available at this price point, I don't think. There's the the Xiaomi Mi box. That's the other somewhat popular Android TV box. And I know that's pretty yeah. low cost, but I don't think it was this low cost. Yeah, I don't honestly know. Yeah. All right. Well, the other, the the final remaining video story is also, well, not also, it's about Google TV, not Android TV. <laughs> so <laughs> going back to the one that we like more, uh, this is the one that's on the $50 Chromecast that you can buy now. Google TV, one of the really big things about it when it launched last fall was that it had really nice live TV guide integration with YouTube TV. Like if you if you're a YouTube TV user, like this was really the device to use. I heard people raving all over the place about how nice the experience was with YouTube TV on the Google TV devices. Well, like none of us were surprised that a live TV experience on Google TV integrated really well with YouTube TV. Right. Hmm. But I think most of us figured that, well, that's all it's ever going to support because why would they ever support any other live TV streaming service? Well, we were wrong. I'm not really sure why, but uh, starting this week, you can now use Sling TV instead, which you might want to do because it's way less expensive. (laughs) YouTube TV starts at $64.99 a month. Sling TV starts at $34.99 a month. And if you sign up right now, you get your first month for $10. Like, that's that's pretty... Like, I'm actually considering... I don't really need one of those Chromecast boxes, but I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I should go get one right now. I've got Sling right now because of the NHL playoffs. It'd be interesting to see how well this works. And I could eventually connect it to the TV that's going in the basement since I, a week later, still haven't been able to find my TiVo stream 4k to hook up to that TV. (laughs) What? I, what, what I'm hoping I didn't do is put it back in the box and then assume the box was empty and throw out the box. Oh no. Haven't seen the box for it. I have the remote right behind me. But I have not been able to find oh, wow. the TiVo stream. No idea. Yeah. Wow. That would be frustrating. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't say enough good stuff about the Google TV. So if you're thinking about this, I mean, the only thing that strikes me is I think it's a little bit of a false comparison. Yes, Google TV's starting price is higher, but Google TV out of, sorry, um, YouTube TV out of the box is higher than Sling, but Google, YouTube TV comes with virtually unlimited DVR service. That comes with your base level. You're going to pay extra for any usable DVR service from Sling TV. Right. And the the other thing that's not really a very fair comparison is if if you only pay $35 a month on Sling, you're only getting about half the channels that you would get from YouTube TV because right. Sling does split it up into their blue and their orange packages. Right. If you pick one, it's $35 a month with 50 hours of DVR. You have to combine them to get a, a comparable uh, lineup to what you would get on YouTube TV. and. Yeah. I'm struggling, of course, to find out how much it costs to get both of them. I don't think it's 70. No, no, no. I think think it's like 50 or something like that, uh, if I remember correctly. And they usually have deals, but it's, it might have gone up since, I don't know. But I mean, I, this is fine. This is great. I'm glad they're doing this, I guess. But my experience with Sling TV was not a positive one. And I used it fully integrated into the guide on the TiVo stream. And I just found that Sling TV itself was too hobbled. Now, that said, one of the things that, and I don't know if Google's YouTube TV does this as well, but Sling TV also comes with a whole lot of streaming content. So 
that's an added bonus. Like shows that are active stuff that like when I was watching Snowpiercer and I wasn't able to watch it on time, they had all the episodes in catalog and I could just stream them whenever I wanted to watch them. Right. It does. Yeah. That is a nice feature of Sling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so if, if you're interested in this and, and you want to do it, uh, to, to get this set up on your own device, it, it may not be the most obvious for how you get this set up. It's not something you do on the device. Don't grab your remote, grab your phone and open up the Google Home app. And inside of that app, link your Sling TV account to your Google account. And there you go. It'll go. So Google. It's very Google. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Richard, back to you. Our audio news comes courtesy of Apple. But this is not specific to WWDC. Last this is week, very pedantic of you to move this out of the WD, WDC. This coverage. has nothing to do with <laughs> WWDC, nothing at all. This week, 14.6 of iOS and DVOS and all that stuff came out. And you may remember that last week we talked about Apple introducing spatial audio for free along with lossless audio. Well, this stuff is now available. 14.6 introduces these capabilities on your Apple TV, on your your uh, iPad, and on your iPhone. And for spatial audio, you don't just have to have the AirPod, AirPods Pro and the uh, AirPods Max. This will work with any headphone, which is confusing to me. Entirely confusing to me, (laughs) but they have somehow figured out how to make this work. If you have a set of AirPods or Beats headphones, it's going to work automatically. So those devices know how to communicate with your device that has the content on it, either your Apple TV or your iOS device. And it is going to say, okay, this is Dolby Atmos content. So, or Dolby Atmos music. So play it in Dolby Atmos spatial sound. If you have any other headphones, you can simply manually turn on and turn off spatial audio. So apparently you can trigger this spatial audio capability with just like a setting somewhere in software. So I don't know that that means that it's simulated. I think they're just, it's just something that the headphones can't themselves detect, but it's going to create something kind of like if you're, I don't know if you've ever listened to binaural audio where in any headphone set you wear, it does in fact sound like it's all over, all around you. Right. And it's using a similar technology to that. And I didn't expect that to happen at all. I thought this was going to be limited to their devices only. So I tried it out. I have my uh, iOS device now upgraded and I listened to a couple songs. If you go into the browse section, there's a whole thing about spatial audio and all these different tracks and albums that are spatial audio ready. It doesn't work with everything, obviously. It has to have been either recorded or uh, remixed to support it. It's fine. I mean, I honestly don't notice the difference. They have this thing where it's not that I don't notice the difference. I don't notice the difference as as significantly as they're suggesting it should be. And it could be that it, my aging ears are not able to detect the nuance in sound the same way. But I listened to some demo stuff with Zane Gray. Is that right? Is that his name? The uh, Apple One radio host that, anyway, he was introducing this and he played something in mono and then in stereo and then in spatial. And when it went from stereo to spatial, didn't really sound as amazing as he was suggesting it should sound. And you can flip it on and off. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just listen to some of these tracks. And I listened to some Taylor Swift tracks. And I listened to some Florida Georgia Line. And it was good. 
I mean, I just don't think this is as big a deal as people have been making it out to be. So I'm curious to get others' feedback. I want to know if y'all are hearing something way more exciting than I am if you enable this in your devices, because I just kind of don't get it. Hmm. That's disappointing. Yeah. It is indeed. It is indeed. I expected better. Now, I'm hoping that since this is also enabled on Apple TV, that if I were to listen to some audio through my Atmos sound system and then play that Apple Music content through my whole uh, entertainment system, it would sound better. I have not had a chance to try that yet. Yeah, you definitely need to try that. <laughs> yep, yep. All right. Well, we have one gaming story. That's it. Just one. And it's a really short one, a really small one. So Google Stadia, uh, Google's game streaming service, which launched about a year and a half ago now at this point. Uh, and when it launched, the only way to play on your TV was if you had a Chromecast Ultra. I don't think Google even sells the Chromecast Ultra anymore. Maybe they do. I think it was a $70 or $80 Chromecast that supported 4K video. Mm. And was the, I think that was the only way. Yeah, it was definitely the only way to do Chromecast 4K through a Chromecast device. There were a lot of TVs, 4K TVs, that had Chromecast built in, like all of the Vizio TVs and stuff like that. Right. It would do 4K Chromecast. but. None of them would do Stadia. Well, Stadia is now coming to the Chromecast with Google TV starting June 23rd. So six months after that Chromecast launched, a year and a half after Stadia launched, it's finally available on that new device. And it's basically coming to all of the other popular Android TV devices. So if you've got an NVIDIA Shield, if you're rushing out to Walmart to buy one of those new streaming devices that we just talked about, or the Xiaomi Mi Box 3 or 4, and a couple of others, uh, it Google Stadia should work natively with those devices starting June 23rd. So I think that's good. It kind of feels like too little too late, in my <laughs> opinion. But right. I mean, Stadia has been on its death watch for months at this point right so i'm not sure that this is what's going to save stadia but if you're a fan of the service at least you can finally run it on one of these really common android or google tv devices that'll be nice my reaction when i saw this is why were they bothering <laughs> i mean there's some work associated with getting this to work on these devices. And if it's really on its last days, why would they bother doing this? Maybe Is it's it, not on its last days. Yeah, maybe we've just completely misunderstood their strategic business plan here. Sure. I mean, Google doesn't just kill things willy-nilly. So, <laughs> well, that was obviously I don't joke. know that I would <laughs> say that and feel comfortable about, you know, not perjuring myself. But, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, apparently Microsoft doesn't kill things either, at least not with that word. You never call anything killed anymore. No. no. Well, it is a, it's it's a pretty violent and aggressive word. Yeah, that's but, true. Yeah, so so that's it for your gaming news and for good reason. E3 effectively starts this coming weekend. So all of the gaming news has just been waiting for really it's kind of Thursday because um last last week we talked about how Jeff Keeley's Summer Game Fest that that has their first big event this coming Thursday, June 10th, which I think at this point we we might as well consider the unofficial kickoff to E3 even though it's not actually affiliated with E3 at all. It's sort of like all of the other events that happen in Las Vegas at the same time as CES. It's like that. So uh, yeah, E3 this coming weekend and next week, I'm sure we'll have, well, 
there might be some things to talk about. I mean, what? We like, we don't talk about big new game announcements, and I sometimes you well whatever. Not I'm usually. just I'm prepared to ride sidecar next week. I don't know. I there might not be a lot for us to actually talk about. Like, <laughs> th- there's obviously not going to be new consoles for Microsoft right. or Sony, and Nintendo came out very specifically and said that they're having one of their directs, Nintendo Direct events, and they said it will be exclusively focused on Switch software or Switch games or something like that. So while everyone's expecting them to announce a Switch Pro at some point this year, it doesn't sound like it's going to be in the next week. So like if the only things getting announced in the next week are new games, then there might not be a whole lot of gaming news for us to really talk about on the show next week. But we'll see. Between now and then is Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest. Uh, Xbox has their big event this weekend. I think Ubisoft has theirs. Like There are a lot of big events between now and the next time we record. So maybe I'll be wrong. And I think either way, there's still going to be a lot of stuff that I'm going to be excited about. But since we don't typically just talk about new game announcements, there might not be anything for this show next week. We'll see. I kind of hope I'm wrong. It'll be a lot more interesting if I'm wrong. (laughs) Okay, so that's it for all of our news this week. So let's jump into what's been going on in our entertainment centers. Yeah, not a ton for me. It's been a very busy week. So New Amsterdam, I caught up with that. In fact, I watched it right after we recorded last week. I have uh, been watching, as I mentioned before, This Week Tonight and Real Time. Mythic Quest had another good episode out, and um, man, I, I'm I'm really enjoying this show, and I can't wait for you to start watching this when you enable your <laughs> Apple TV Plus uh, service, because I think you're going to enjoy this too, Josh. Watch the latest episode of Hacks, that's an HBO Max original, and then also... Speaking of, I think it's HBO, yeah? Yeah, I think it's HBO. Watch the Friends Reunion. Now, I don't know, I don't know what age everybody is, but Friends was like, Friends was my show. I loved Friends. I thought it was awesome. They had the lives that I think other people my age wanted to have. Nobody knew what anybody did. It didn't seem like anybody actually worked, but... (laughs) They had this tight group. Well, Jennifer Aniston's character worked. Oh, that's true. Yeah, she did. Yep. Very true. So it was great. I really enjoyed it. If you liked the show, you know, there was a lot of speculation on, oh, why are they doing this? They're just catching in. They don't really like each other. This is the only time they've been together. It was really good. Some of it was contrived, but I think they did a really good job. It was two hours long. It did not feel two hours long. I thoroughly huh. enjoyed it. That's quite a compliment. Yeah. Uh, when, when you said it was two hours long, I definitely expected you to say, and it didn't need to be two hours long. No, <laughs> no. It, it was just like they brought you back in and they were, uh, you know, this is not a reunion episode. This is a reunion kind of like they do with the real housewives, right? Like they're pulling people back together with an MC and with clips and with stories and stuff like that and guest stars and all that. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. And I think if you like friends, you'll thoroughly enjoy this. That's cool. And then this past weekend, we went away to visit friends that we haven't seen in two years. And we had a TV list weekend. I can't remember the last time I had a weekend with no TV, Josh. <laughs> that was nuts. I came back and I was feeling withdraw. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it. That was, that's all that I've been up to. So how about you? This has got to be like the shortest list you've ever had. <laughs> it might be. Yeah. And, and and if you remove weekend with no TV as a bullet point, because that's not something you watched, like it's almost definitely the shortest list you've ever had. Well, right. But that's also part of why 
it's right. the shortest list. Right. So mine is also really short. Probably not nearly as surprising. Uh, I watched a little bit of hockey over the last week. Um, not as much as I had previously since the Penguins are now out of the, the playoffs. Um, I think I played some knockout city that, that dodgeball game I mentioned last week. I know I played a little bit of NHL and other than that, uh, no real TV or gaming, uh, from my couch. And I did start a new audiobook. uh, new to me, at least it's not, it's not brand new. Like project Hail Mary was last week. Although now that I finished project Hail Mary, Jen got to listen to it over the last week and she loved it every bit as much as I did. So it's not just me. Like project Hail Mary is something you need to go and read, whether that's reading words or listening to the audiobook like I did. It's so good. It's so good. Awesome. I'm curious, did you end up buying that or were you able to get it at your library? Oh, I just bought it. I bought it like you did like sight unseen. That's probably not <laughs> the right way to describe it. Like Yeah. It, it was Andy Weir. It was right. Yeah, I just bought it. Yeah. I don't I don't do that very often, especially with books, but I just kind of knew that would be the case and I wasn't yep. wrong. Yeah. So I started Red Rising, which a couple of weeks ago, uh, when I had mentioned on Twitter that I was looking for sci-fi or espionage recommendations, a couple of people did recommend this. And when I went looking through the Kindle library that I share with Jen uh, over this weekend, I saw it in there. Now, I don't know if she just purchased this previously on, on her own or if she saw people recommending this series to me on Twitter and that's why she got it. Um, but it was in there and she had already read it and she's like, Oh yeah, you should read that. You would like that. It's got lots of killing. And I'm like, wait a second. What do you mean? Like, I I just like things with lots of (laughs) killing. Okay. Um, it, it is a sci-fi. It, it feels very much like, um, kind of like, uh, a cross between, um, the hunger games, and uh, now my mind is completely blanking. Like it, it's not a lot of, it's not a super original idea. It takes place on Mars in the future. Everything is very cast based. Um, it, it's maybe a little bit sort of like the matrix um, where the people in the bottom rungs of the cast have no idea even that mm-hmm. the, the world that they live in is actually way, way better than what they're a part of. and. When they discover it, they decide, yeah, we're we're going to revolt. So we are, uh, I am probably a third of the way through the first book. I'm not sure how many books are in this series. I haven't really made up my mind yet on whether or not I love this or if it just feels fairly samey uh, to, to a lot of other stories out there. So by this time next week, I'm going to have a much better opinion of this book and, and maybe the series. and. I don't think we own any of the rest of the books in the series. So uh, that if I don't like this one, we, well, I won't be buying any of the other books in the series. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little, a little nervous on this one, but it's, it's okay so far. So how'd you find out about this? Uh, so some people recommended it on Twitter and then, oh, okay. And then just looking through uh, the Kindle library that like, Je- I, I just log into the Kindle app with Jen's, Amazon account because she is a voracious reader. She reads constantly. Um, Well, actually it wasn't even the Kindle app. It was the audible app. And, uh, and I saw this in there and I'm like, wait, what, how, how does she have this (laughs) And, and downloaded it and started listening? Cool. Yeah. So, uh, I did, I did subscribe or, you know, initiate my trial for Apple TV plus, but we haven't started watching yet. Maybe, this weekend? Well, you have a year. But, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, why rush into things? <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for what's going on in our entertainment center. And that's pretty much it for the show. If you'd like to get a hold of us, we're on Twitter at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at Digimedia Zone. And a whole bunch of other places. All of those, all of that contact information is over at thedigitalmediazone.com, where you can get uh, all of the show notes for this story, plus all of that contact information. And Richard's other podcast. It's called Home On, where he's always talking about 
the latest smart home technology from the DIY consumer space. Richard, what's what's going on with Home On? Yeah, you're saying where he's always talking about and people are probably yelling out into the void. What are you talking about? He hasn't been talking about anything for months. And that is true. But I have a pipeline of stuff that I'm really excited about. So we're getting HomeKit developer Aaron Pearson. He is the force behind a whole bunch of different HomeKit apps, many of which I've talked about on the show. We have been in talks with GE to get folks from GE Lighting on and talk about some new cool stuff that they're doing, the whole transition and rebranding of C by GE. And also, uh, I am hoping to get someone on from uh, a podcast that focuses on Home Assistant. We've had many, many requests to talk about Home Assistant. So I had reached out to a uh, podcaster that does a show exclusively about Home Assistant, which reminds me of the days when we had a podcast exclusively about Microsoft Entertainment Center. Remember when there was that much to talk about that one product? Apparently, it's been so long you didn't even remember the name of it. Oh, Windows wow. Media Center. Windows wow. Media Center, Microsoft <laughs> Entertainment Center. I'm now been uh, shamed. By you're you're combining our show with with that fabled yeah, product. I am yeah. okay. Uh, this is where I uh, start to be quiet. And um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, if you're looking for more information about the WWDC smart home stuff, check out the latest episode of the smart home show where we dive deep into all the smart home announcements there. Okay. And then come back here next week. We record the show live usually on Tuesday nights around eight 30 PM Eastern. Follow us on Twitter to know for sure when the show is going to be live. Or since we are actually recording this or streaming this through Twitch, you can follow us on Twitch also, and you'll get notified when the show goes live if you do that. So hopefully we'll see you back next week because that's going to do it for episode 557. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.